On Perspective this week, MHK's John Wannenberg and Tim Johnson talk about their first year in politics, the challenges they have faced in fulfilling their roles and their successes so far. They also consider the enormous financial pressures facing us all and give an honest assessment of whether government's actions are sufficiently strong to address the crises we're facing. I began by asking Tim Johnson how he sees his first year as an MHK. A privilege still. I think, you know, um, started banging on doors in early early June, like you say, getting out and about, really, really enjoyed that whole process, talking to people, listening um, to the issues. And yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, a challenging but fascinating 12 months, Phil. And, uh, and as you know, it's been a challenging, challenging and fascinating world. Um, of course, it, it always is, but I think at the moment, you know, even more so, quite extraordinary, really. So yeah, quite an extraordinary 12 months in many ways. Some people have suggested the first 12 months is an opportunity for uh, MHKs to maybe just get their f- feet under the table, learn, learn the ropes uh, and this and that. Um, but, but actually, this first year has been filled with major and significant issues. Have, have you actually got the, the time to, 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 to sort of have that uh, luxury of learning the ropes and, and discovering how everything works? Or do you have to really um, learn very fast on your feet? I think that's right, what you said, actually. You know, we, we, we've had to hit the ground running. We, you know, we, we first got elected. We, 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 I think this time was the first time there was sort of a, a two-week sort of induction process to sort of help us, give, give us some guidance. But really, you know, once once that's out of the way, it's right, well, there you are, off off you go. And um, and as you know, the majority of us are, are independent MHKs, um, there isn't the sort of a support network behind that. you just got to get on and, and, and get on with it, absolutely. And, yeah, we, we, you know, we've hit straight away some some big decisions like you say right at right at the start and um you know and, and i suppose like i say there always will be big issues things you know no plan ever survives contact with the enemy um that's always going to be the case i suppose that's 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 reality but yeah i don't think anyone was maybe expected some of the some of the scale and you know and i think it's important that through all that's going on at the moment, you know, we, we do stop and, and look up and look out and realise that there's some big issues going on in the world. And, you know, uh, we live in a very safe, relatively wealthy place. And actually, we've got, we've got some big issues, but actually we need to look further afield and see what's going on. And John, I mean, you, I think of, of all the, the, the new MHKs, the, the newly elected first timers, uh, seemed the most shocked uh, from what I could see to, to have actually been elected. Um, ha, ha, how has that first year been for you? Uh, in short, it's been an absolute baptism of fire. Um, and you're right, I, I'm, it was a very pleasant surprise to be elected. I, I stood on the back of the last big thing which happened on the Isle of Man, which was the COVID and the ravage that it made on my own personal business, which is why I was I was standing. Um, I stood to make a point and, and pleasantly... Um, I got in, um, but but for me, it was a pleasure to knock on all the doors around Tremode, Williston, and Governor's Hill because I'd lived in the area for 20 years, and uh, to be honest, I, I didn't know how other people live. So um, the fact that they've trusted me with their votes, I will do my absolute best to represent them as they would wish. Um, and yes, there has been some big issues going on, um, and and there hasn't been much time for us to to find our feet, so to speak. Um, Coming from a, a self-employed background where I make a decision today and I enact it today, I find it very frustrating that sometimes 
Um, a, we've got to learn how to do things, and, and B, once you've learned, it takes time. And, and that is frustrating. And I guess the, you know, the checks and the measures are there for a reason, but I like to get things done, and, and uh, things don't happen as quickly as I would like, and possibly as they should. And, and in your private business, you will have had dealings with government. Is, is it different from the other side? I mean, is it, is it what you expected? I didn't have too many dealings with government, and uh, I was very pleased about that. Um, and and is it different? Yeah, it is. It it is. Uh, you know, I suppose from from an outsider, I thought once you're in MHK, you 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 know you're in power, you're in government. But lo and behold, no, you you are a backbencher, and and you're not in Komen. Um And if you want to get anything done, you will have to do it through your colleagues. Um, and, and I'm very good at, I think I'm good at uh, forming relationships and trying to put the direction where we need to go in place. But you will get nothing done by yourself. You will only get it done by consensus. And, and, and I think you picked on a, a quite an important point there, which is demonstrating you certainly seem to have learned uh, uh, some, some important lessons. A su- substantial amount of the power um, of, of uh, or the ability to do things lies in the hands of uh, council ministers, uh, uh, p- perhaps more so than most people realise. Would, would you think that's that's? Oh, there's the case? no, there's not a shadow of a doubt about that. Um, I, in fact, I remember sitting in one of the interviews during the campaign, and and uh, the Save Initiative, the failed Save Initiative, was brought up, um, and and both the other um, candidates who who had been both MHKs were saying that it was regrettable that they had not been able to do it. And, and I, I, I tore the strip out of them because I said, well, you know, you're there. Why has it been done? You know, and, and lo and behold, I'm, I'm finding out why things don't get done. Um, and, and Tim, I mean, presumably you're, you're finding similar frustrations. I mean, you did, through the Manx National Farmers Union, have quite a lot of dealings with government. So you would have had a, a, a fair understanding of, uh, of how government works but mm. did, was it a, a surprise to you when you got in at, at how how things work yes and no um i think you're right i mean having that uh, past history dealing with defa but, but i think understanding of you know how business works as well as sometimes you can't you can't hit things on head on you you, you have to sort of tack and you have to you, you know there's compromise and i think that's that's always going to be the case and i think that's we have to understand that as, as in politics is again when you've got 24 individuals uh, coming together um, whether it's Comin or whether it's the, the collective, um, there's always going to have to be compromise to, to get things done. Um, but, but yeah, certainly frustration and and I think also um, and I think to be fair, from the government a recognition that there needs to be change and we've seen some big change. You know, we've seen personnel change, we've seen some big issues, some real concerns about the way government has functioned. Um, I'm as critical as anybody about that. But the question then is, what are they going to do about it? And that's what we need to see, is how, how, and that's the key to me. You know, we can talk about it and we can complain, but ultimately what we need to see is is improvement and, and, and proof of that. Um, government's had 12 months um, now to talk about the island plan, um, to talk about its ideas for the future. We've had the economic strategy, and I think it's right they've had that length of time. And, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that... The strategy um, breaks that what I call that political cycle. The idea that us, you know, oh, we've got to get everything done in the next couple of years, and that's then that's it. Because that's you're never going to get anything done in that. I'm I'm pleased with that we've got that longer term 
plan, that longer term structure, because that's what we're going to need. So I'm happy that the fact that government has spent this time assessing, looking, but it you know it it needs to start doing, and um, and I think most backbenchers because we yeah, we're, we're involved in the island plan have given are given the government a certain amount of leeway to say okay you're identifying the issues and and the, and the economic strategy is identifying the, those issues, but actually now we need to start doing something about it. And and is that you know, the the relationship between uh, backbench uh, MHKs? and the council of ministers how is how is that working is that a good partnership would you say or or um, a wary one i think it should always be wary i i think you know i think it's absolutely right that um government should always be looking to um be accountable and uh, you know the backbenchers should be there asking those questions not not asking you know i'm i'm not one for asking questions for the sake of asking questions um, some do more than that. Um, that's up to them. But uh, ultimately, um, you know, I I'm happy to support the vision, the plan of what we're trying to do. Um, but ultimately, they they they've got to get get on with and and do it. And uh, John, I mean, do, do you think people understand the difference between uh, or, or or the role of an MHK? I mean, many people. Uh, listening to this program, I'm sure would would say, "Oh, it's it's great to hear MHKs holding the executive to account by asking loads and loads of questions." Um, do, do you think that that is a a, a successful way of, of of prosecuting your role as an MHK, or is, is there other an other side to it? Well, I'm I'm not sure that people do appreciate just how difficult it is. Um, because I'm finding it that way, but but um, as part of the EPRC, I'm, I'm on the EPRC, which is Economic Policy Review Committee, along with two others, Claire Christian and Jason Morehouse, and I find that scrutiny body very valuable in holding government to account. So we've we've uh, interviewed quite a few um, of the agencies, including the Chief Minister, and we asked them some tricky questions, which possibly I, I wouldn't be very comfortable doing that on a one-to-one basis. But under that umbrella, I do feel that I have the mandate to ask them whatever I want to. And, and I have done that, and um, we look forward to putting out some recommendations. Um, I'll give you an example. Recently, uh, this week, in fact, uh, the EPRC met, which is unusual because it's the, the recess. And we put together a list of initiatives which we thought government should at least be considering in the current cost of living crisis. Um, and then we had the workshop, uh, which we brought them up again. And then we've done a press release, which should be out today, saying this is what the EPRC think. Um, and I think... Under that umbrella, I think uh, backbenchers have more of a, a voice. Uh, it's not to say that I won't stand up in the keys and ask a few difficult questions, and I have done exactly that. I think I'm quite good at that, in fact. Um, I don't always get a straightforward answer. You know, it's, sometimes it's uh, an officer has told me, and therefore this is the case, but really that is not the case, and an officer may have given you either misleading or wrong information, and uh, that needs to be exposed. And, and it is a uh, certainly the case that um, certain people asking questions, uh, ministers will be thinking, oh, well, here's a, 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 a gift, a, a free opportunity for me to promote my department. Uh, is, is that something that uh, is starting to, to develop in, in, in Tinwald, would you say? Um, some are better at it than others, and, and I mean asking questions. For, my, for myself, I, I'd like a direct question. And I don't want the fluff that goes around it. I want the direct answer. Um, and if I don't get it, I'll keep asking it. Um, I, I also don't believe in 
in voting for something because it's always been that way or because we're expected to do it. Um, I, I was one of, I think, two or three candidates which voted not to progress with the Manx gas price increase of 27.5% last, uh, last October. I think uh, the way that that company has treated its customers is absolutely shocking. And for one, I wouldn't mind seeing that company collapse. Um, but, of course, we've got to go along with the consensus yet again. So they got the 27.5%. And the follow-up to that was uh, another vote. Um, but that was not a vote against Manx Gas. That was a vote for Cura and to become more established. And I was happy to do that, even though that meant a further increase in price. Um, it's difficult to do sometimes. You know, you've, 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 I will always do what I think is the right thing to do. Uh, and I thought the right thing to do was to vote against the £32.6 million extra money the DOI wanted for the ferry terminal. Uh, they got it, but I've yet to see any accountability whatsoever. I've yet to see anyone take the fall for that. Um, and, and marching people out of, out of their jobs into a full pension is not being accountable. Tim, you were obviously in a, uh, the same position as John there. Mm. You, you've maybe reached different conclusions. Would you agree, though, that um, often council of minister papers are, are, are developed in such a way that it almost leaves you with no option but to support it? I don't think that necessarily is the case, no. I think I would respectfully disagree with John on some of those points there um, because I think, as I said earlier, most decisions, it's, it's a comp- there's a balance and there's a compromise. And, and, and for me, from my my background, and, and you know, I'm always looking at the bigger picture and saying and looking putting things in context. And I probably just as frustrated as John about what's happened and, and the Liverpool landing stage, which you know, it's just a ridiculous situation. Well, I accept that. Yeah, you know. exactly. But there again, I have to say, then well, we are, but we are where we are. And, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you're looking at that decision and you say, well, what's the option? What is the alternative? The, well, the main alternative is we well, stop doing it. But that would still be £45 million being spent with nothing to show for it. And to me, that is not an acceptable um, result. Yeah, but, yeah, but the, um, trade-off so, for that, the trade-off for that was that they wanted more money, pretty much the same kind of money that they've already spent mm-hmm. with no cap on it. You know, and just to let them run ragged, is, to me, is not acceptable and not responsible. No, and I, and I don't. I yeah. think you're right. Um, there's one of those situations where we get we get parachuted into an into into an existing problem that a new house have to yeah, have to exactly. deal with, and it and, and I think we all felt very uncomfortable about it. Yeah. And I think you, know, you hope to draw a line and say this can't happen again. And I think again that's also putting pressure on on the new government to bring the processes into place to make sure that that doesn't happen again. Um, uh, and I think the public expect that because the public are very very fed up. Yeah, with this sort of thing happening as well you know. of hearing us say lessons have been learned it won't happen yeah, again yeah. you know here we go again and yet it happens again and uh, you know hi hi i'm really getting sick of it to be honest yeah, with you yeah. all right yeah i i don't yeah. disagree but again we need to see those mechanisms being yeah. put in place now I, I was interested in in an answer that you gave there uh, john in relation to manx gas uh, you wouldn't mind if the company went bust I wonder whether we could just sort of un- unpick that a little bit or, or actually go into that in, in, in some uh, depth. Uh, I mean, w- perhaps you could explain why you wouldn't mind if Manx Gas went bust. I, I think the way they have treated and, and communicated to their customers has been unacceptable. Um, I won't go into the rebate saga, but, but what they seem to say on one hand and do on another hand are not always necessarily the same. 
proprietary cure being involved, I think they could have introduced their increases in a more stepped or graduated way. Um, but there seems to be a lack of empathy for their customers. You know, it's, it's take it or leave it. And, and you know, I'll rewind that a little bit. I, I don't know, whoever put the... Whoever put it in place where, where government effectively buys gas, who sells it to Manx Gas, who then sell it on to our constituents for a higher price, needs shooting. I mean, where, where did that ever make sense? I don't know. Uh, and, and so, you know, if, if Manx Gas are going to take their, their coveted position and, and treat their customers as badly as they have, then no, in, in my world, that, that, that doesn't work. And, and what, what then? Would would happen? I mean, I mean, Tim. I mean, you obviously reached a, a different conclusion. That what, you you obviously didn't think it was a good idea for Max Gas to go bust. No, um, I didn't, and especially in the teeth of a of an energy crisis, um, because we have to think then again about the, what what's the knock on effects of that. You know, what the disruption, the uncertainty, the cost involved in that process is incredibly damaging. So while I don't have any great uh, love for for Manx Gas, now is not the time to be doing something like that is, is, is there is there a is there a, a day of reckoning is there a day to come when we need to have ask some serious questions then yes absolutely but the, of course the other side of the coin is a huge amount of people say government can't run a tap <laughs> and at the same time we're then talking about government then running a gas company so um why is it you know, okay on so, this island that we run an entertainment complex and a wildlife park and our steam packet but but when it comes to a core utility that's not okay to run what, no, I, I don't understand the thinking behind that. I think for me the important thing is, is, is the regulatory framework that's now put in place to make sure that it's, it's, it's controlled, there's a profit margin um, are there. And you know, what we have to make sure is, 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 that, is that business, or whoever's, doing, whoever's running the, the, the network, is putting safety first and putting, in, putting the investment in to make sure that we've got a, a functioning uh, system. Now, who runs that in the future? How that works is, a, is, a, is another matter. And, and again, we have got the regulation in place now. I think it is very important. But again, there's so many uncertainties. It's such a difficult time. Don't underestimate the knock-on effect and the cost involved and disruption of making that decision because um, that's a huge cost as well. well. We'll carry on with the Manx gas theme for a little longer. The heating of homes, anyway. Uh, you know, we, we've known for at least 10, probably 20, maybe even 30 years that the homes on the Isle of Man generally are not particularly uh, well insulated, therefore leaking substantial amounts of energy. A lot of heat goes out of uh, windows through cracks in walls and doors and up chimneys and uh, all the rest of it. Surely to goodness, government should be engaged in a much more aggressive way in, in, in actually getting out and helping people to get their homes insulated. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got a year, you, you're a year in. It doesn't require a 12-month consultation to work out that all the homes uh, that, that, that are over a certain age um, are really badly insulated on the whole and we don't have schemes to actually uh, significantly uh, improve that situation. Why are there, are there not more calls for significant change on things like that? I think there are and I think, you know, historically when gas prices were running at 50p a therm and, and life was good, people, you know, to be fair, people like us weren't, no one was really asking those questions. And I think now they are, quite rightly. And, and again, it's how then, how do we respond to that? I mean, in the short term, we've seen the development of the sort of Green Living Grant um, and there's the, within that, there's the um, support towards insulation. 
Um, and I certainly think, looking ahead to some of the challenges we've got and some of the discussions that are going on, I would hope to see some acceleration of that. Because again, you know, that's you're quite right. This is the sort of the low low hanging fruit that needs needs addressing. So again, you know, has the issue always been there? Yes, but because of, because economically people weren't really looking at it. Um, you know, it was one of those things that now it's, it's now come to the fore. And John, then, is this not part of the the fundamental weakness of of the the whole system of government that we have? That um, government government I mean. government zips from from one big issue to another. You, know, it's it's the issue of the day that government focuses on. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, some, something like a, a basic thing like insulation, which would generate. A, a, a lot of new business on the island if, if we got a, a really good scheme to, to, together to encourage more people to insulate their homes it then insulates people uh, from the sorts of price hikes that we've been, been looking at. This is the sort of thing that governments should be looking at strategically at the times when, the ro- when it isn't a big issue uh, to ensure that uh, further down the line uh, we 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 don't have these sorts of crises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to put it basically, it's you know you make hay while the sun shines. We haven't done that. We, we and going back to our earlier conversation, the pace of change is too slow. And, and you're right again when you say it's the project which gets focused on today and not tomorrow. I mean, I relate that the um, the active strategy, the active travel strategy, which is ended in I think in April 2021. Um, I don't know how much money was spent on cycle lanes and everything else that goes with it, but that that whole accent has been taken away, and, and I think it's got to be re- renewed. Not good enough, you know. If, if we're going to do something, we need to do it from A to Z. Um, and, and again, I've asked a few questions on on putting the bridges up along the old, the old trail, railway trail, because you know we've done all the widening, we've done the the, the the two cycle parks, if you like, on either end from Peel to Douglas, and I think the last mile is putting the bridges in there you know get people off the roads particularly dangerous crossings uh, but but that seems to have been stopped as well i can't explain why um we we, we need to be focused on finishing what we start and, and I, think, I think you're right i think it's short-sightedness yeah you know and i think and again it's it's a way government package thing so the, you look at active travel it was meant to be about that two and a half mile radius from douglas that was what it was all about but of yeah. course you then start applying it further and further afield and people say well it doesn't it doesn't work well you need to, you need to reconfigure it then because actually, if and I agree with John, you know these bridges. If we put those bridges back in place, we would have the second I think the second longest cycle tracks in the in the United Kingdom. Well, isn't that a major visit attraction? And it's not just for cyclists. It's so for horse so riders, you know for walkers. Yeah, you know it will help with um, the NHS waiting list. People will be out get, losing weight, um, and me- th- mental I, health and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that th- I think that goes back to then talking about this you know, short termism. And I said earlier about you know the the political cycle that very very narrow window. Phil, I don't think you know about that. You talk about that first twelve months, and then you've got a couple of years, and then all of a sudden everyone's thinking about the next election again. And that's that's you cannot make long term strategy and plans in that environment. I mean that's why in principle I support that this longer strategy because you've got to start thinking about these things in, in a long in a much longer term way, um, building these ideas in. Then you got a then you got a much better chance of them being being implemented and, and, and properly and, and and that's what we that's what we need to do. We've got to break that cycle. You're listening to MHK's John Wallenberg and Tim Johnson. Is part of the problem here that we um, we don't have an effective system of government? I mean, we, we've got a really good uh, system for delivering uh, government policies, which is the Council of Ministers. 
Various reviews have been undertaken at different times, uh, the last one uh, being the Lordless Vane uh, review. Uh, that was largely parked on a very uh, high shelf uh, where it has gathered dust. Um, it, it's not part of the problem here that um, the system isn't working as well as it should, uh, the, the whole way in which we do government on the island. Yeah, I'll give you an example of that, right? Um, last year, Poverty Committee, as before we came into office, the Poverty Com- Committee met, and one of the recommendations they put together was that all those people in benefits should have free bus travel. And, and now that's been parked next to the Lord Levain rep- uh, report on, on the high shelf. Why has that not been done? Um, I mean, we, we put together a committee, we put together recommendations, we put, you know, and, and nothing happens. And, and I want to know why things don't happen. And possibly the answer lies within your hands. I mean, at the ni- back in 1990s, when the Council of Ministers became a thing, your ministerial government was introduced, um, I don't think at any point uh, did they think that they had developed the perfect system. Uh, they, they must have assumed that there would have been further tweaks and changes along the, the, the road. Um, in, in terms of how uh, government particularly interacts with Parliament. And um, it's largely been left for, for, for three decades now, uh, pretty much as, as was. Um, I, I was uh, told, as, as a relatively new MHK myself, uh, said, well, quite a few years ago now, that um, the, the time to act is when you are not wholly familiar and comfortable with the system. So actually, you guys, as, as the new MHKs, are the ones that really need to affect the fairly radical change because if you wait another three, four, five years, um, potentially you'll have, have become used to the system and become comfortable with it. Um, is there any appetite, do you think, from amongst backbenchers to, to seriously address uh, some of the, the, the flaws in the system? I think... The danger is, and of course, you know, <laughs> we, we talk about the world and, at the moment and the challenges. Um, we have to work. What, what, what the electorate wants us to be doing? You know, the, there's a danger that there's a criticism that we end up looking inwards and, and we spend huge amounts of time and energy tinkering with how our system works while the, the, the major issues of the day aren't getting addressed. And, you know, we said at the start of the interview we've come into a sort of a fairly unprecedented time um, uh, for, the, for, for the island for, in the world at the moment. So there's so many big challenges to face that um, it, there isn't a lot of room for, for, for that. Um, that, that. That's the honest sort of situation we're in at the moment. And, and yet, uh, I mean, I, I, let, let, let's use an analogy. I, I love these things. Um, imagine you're in a car chase and gradually the car that you're chasing is getting further and further ahead um, at some point you've got to recognize that maybe there's something the wrong matter with the engine or the wheels or whatever and you need to stop the car and and actually do a radical ho- overhaul so that you can potentially catch the car you're chasing up at some point in the future and and part perhaps i mean maybe i've, I've misread this mis, mis uh, interpreted things but uh, perhaps part of the reason why some of the disconnects that certainly that john you were talking about earlier uh, in, in terms of parliamentary scrutiny committees are finding things making recommendations which government can then 
uh, completely ignore. Um, maybe maybe some changes are, are required. Certainly the Chief Minister has recognised in relation to government, I mean, he talks about the lazy systems of, of, of government that, that you know that that need to be changed so that more can be delivered, um, but but actually, what what's the point of having the other uh, twenty two members? I know it's twenty three members of Timwald who aren't in council of ministers. If council of ministers are making all the decisions and and not following up on on the recommendations of uh, parliamentary uh, committees. You know, I'm not sure that we need fundamental change. What I would say is that we need to be a lot more clear communicating. And we need to be far more honest in communicating. And again, this whole ridiculous saga with uh, Dr. Ranson is, is a point that I can say to you that I'm deeply uncomfortable with it, um, having to be silenced by what's been going on. And I'm sure I speak for all, most of the other backbenchers. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how we can change something like that. Um, so whether government needs to change or the way we communicate our processes, that needs to change. And I think... If we, if, if we are more honest and open and transparent, that's the word, with our electorate, they, they, they would forgive almost anything else, providing we do exactly that. And, and I don't see that happening. Um, I'm frustrated by that. And I've got a lot to say on the ransom case. And it will be said, and I, and I know others will say it as well. Um, the fact that we have to not rely on whistleblowers, but the fact that what whistleblowers of the trigger for things changing means that the process is not fit for purpose, you know, and, and it's probably very hard to change it because do people, people do become conditioned and feel I'm not one of those people. Um, I, I will never accept the status quo because it's always been that way. That's not my way. Um, so, no, I, I am uncomfortable the way it is, but, but I think we don't need deep change, but we need more honest accountability. And, and of course, there is also a fear um, amongst people uh, many people on the island that um, raising your head above the parapet and criticising government means that your the the chances of succeeding in the future, if you need any level is, of given government support, uh, well, yeah. Um, so, so there is that fear. I mean, I, I remember as, as a minister listening to people and thinking, "Oh, don't be silly." Of course, the Isle of Man—it's an open, it's transparent. You know, anyone can do and say anything they they, they want, but the, the Manx public are a little bit loath to, 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 to get too critical of government because they rely on government for so many things. Uh, Tim, I mean, is, is that a fair uh, assessment, do you think, or, or um, do you have a, a different view? No, I, mean, I was just, you know, I think um, John's brought brought up the importance of scrutiny a couple of times, and I think the other side of that is as well is that, uh, you know, the, all the, these processes are going on all the time, mm. but it's never talked about. There's, you know, it, publicly it's never it's never raised. Um, you know, there's been some over the years. You have to look back, and there's, some, there's been some very powerful, actually, some very powerful things happen within scrutiny committees, um, and uh, you know, people have taken come forward with in very difficult situations, and and there have been some big, big decisions made and big and big changes made, um, but we don't. We don't really talk about what, that very much. I think we can be better than that. And I remember recently having having a discussion. I think we were talking about you know what about there's the difference between government and, and parliament. And, and actually, you know, I think there's there's, there's definitely a, a, a need for parliament to, to talk more about what it does and, what, and the importance of it. Like I say, separate from government, which I think you know it's really really important um, the, the work that goes on. So definitely, you know, definitely 
work to do there. Um, and I, I certainly like to see um, Tim Wald and, and, and its processes. Um, you know, talk, talk, talk to, I suppose, talk to the public more about what we do and what, and what happens. Um, I mean, there's one or two cynical people about out there talking when it comes to what MHKs get up to. Just, just one, <laughs> just or, one two. or two. <laughs> but it's actually surprising, and, and they often don't understand actually that the amount of work that does go on behind the scenes, and, and as John says, goes on within the yeah. within the scrutiny committees. And, and that goes back to the communicating. I was, I was yeah. talking about earlier. You know, there is an awful lot of it. You're right. Mm. So, so then, uh, that, I, I think that talking about what MHKs do, that that's a, a, a neat way of mm. moving moving us on to. Okay, you've, you've been in 12 months. Uh, what has, has Tim Johnson, MHK, ever done for us? <laughs> well, again, I think it's splitting it down, isn't it, into the, into the different roles. Um, I like to think that I have been, um, you know, uh, an active constituency MHK, um, getting out and about, um, holding surgeries, help, helping people um, with, with their issues. Um, I'm very much involved with the scrutiny committee, the IPRC committee. Um, again, and that's that's um, IPRC. Yeah, environment and infrastructure. So that's looking at DEFA and, and, and DOI. And again, plenty of plenty of issues there, and plenty of work. And we've got we've got an oral hearing coming up uh, next month again with them. So you know, a lot of work lot work going on there. Um, and then I made a decision to go into a into a department, um, elected and gone into the d- department for for enterprise and um, a political responsibility for the business agency. No minister there yet. Uh, is, is that, uh, are, are you all sort of slogging it out amongst yourselves to see who's going to succeed, or, or um, any hints yet that Look, a minister... Go again. Why is ministership always the point of succession? Why? Because it's a fallacy that, that you succeed if you're a minister. You, know, you can succeed very well from the back benches. But what is what you, I think, and, and Tim have already identified is that the vast majority of decisions are taken by ministers. I, I think um, for, for too long, perhaps, uh, this has not really been explored, and, and maybe it, it does need to be, but may, or maybe mm. not. Um, but, but yeah, so th- no hints anyway as far no. as Enterprise Minister, um, ma- minister uh, Chief Minister is uh, currently doing That's that. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, then, uh, John, what, what, what's, what's John Wallenberg actually achieved in, in the last 12 months? Well, I'd like to think that, I'm a, first and foremost, the people who put me in there I owe them a debt. So, you know, anything I can do to help them with their issues, then you can count on me to do that. And I'll do, do it to my, the best of my ability. And that doesn't mean I will give them a positive outcome. That means that I will try my best to give them a positive outcome. So I'm very satisfied that I've been effective in that role. Um, I also went into the DHA um, and have delegated responsibilities for the fire service. Um, and I'm chair of the OFT, which at times gets a bad press, and I think unfairly so. And it's a heavily under-resourced department, and uh, they've got some really, really effective people in there. Um, and and they, it's very hard for them against uh, the current environment where petrol prices are going up and transportation's going up and fuel costs and energy costs, and you know it is all hands to the, to the pump there. You know? and, and then they've got their normal jobs anyway, and uh, it is difficult. And is the is the um, the legislation fit for purpose? Because I know for a long time there's been talk of improving the uh, the the, fair, uh, the the legislation that governs the the role of the office. Um, but well, uh, I, I I don't know has has that actually come to fruition yet? Um, the, the situation at the moment it's 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 still an independent statutory board. Um, 
Uh, it is under the auspices of, of DEFA. Um, and then we have this, this situation where we're looking at forming a regulatory hub. Um, so, so there's a lot of things up in the air at the moment. I mean, it's based in St. John's at the moment, where it used to be in Fort Street. Um, that's, that is challenging as well, because uh, a lot of the, the situations where they are needed would need to be in Douglas. Um, so I, I think we need to get clarification as to where we're going to go on with the hub. Uh, and sit at the RTLC at the moment and, and other areas to try and gain sort of health and safety and the synergy in, in government in that respect. But but the OFD has a, has a particular role to do, which doesn't affect anybody else. So, um, but do you have enough power? I mean, it certainly sounds from your fr- frustrations earlier in this discussion that maybe you feel uh, limited in what you can do. Uh, um, I think that would be true to say. Um, uh, for instance... Uh, just because one person has, has, has a problem saying that uh, internet charges are too high does, doesn't make a, an investigation. Um, so, so we will only react when there's uh, enough people giving it critical mass to, to, make, to make it worthwhile an, an investigation. And, and there's been some challenges along with the, um, the taxis as well, uh, the, the Village Connect system, things like that. I think we have an unfair press. I mean, I think, you know, ultimately... Like I say, this only this time last year we were, we were on an election campaign, and and there was very clear messaging from the electorate of, of the issues. Um, I like to think that we are looking at those issues, um, whether it's Comey or whether it's whether it's people questioning from the back benches. These these are the issues. We, we all had input into the island plan. Um, yeah, we did. We all recognise a lot of the challenges, whether it's over skills, you know, labour shortage, um, big you know, housing. The, these are the big issues. Now the, the question then is. You know, is, is the government doing anything about it? And I would say, well, we've seen the creation of the housing board. You know, we, we've seen consultations going out on, on employment legislation, on childcare legislation. You know, the things we, we got we need to get on with. Now, we can say this should have been, all been done years ago. Yeah, OK, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> so and, here we are now. And, 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 I mean, and, you know. Yeah, most people will say, you know, a year ago, I told you what the problem, yeah. problem was. A year in, I haven't really seen any significant change. Um Shouldn't shouldn't you as as backbenchers really be uh, sort of uh, holding um, the the ministers holding them to account to a far greater extent than than, than you currently are in, in relation to things that, that are big issues for people? You know, people are, are genuinely thinking that they have to leave the island because they can't afford to live yeah. here. Um, is is setting up a committee, setting up a new board, doing some scrutiny? Um, is is this enough? No, it's not enough. Of course, it's not enough. And you know, you need, you need to start seeing those results. But you've got to start, and you know, you can't build a houses in twelve months. You know, it's a, it's, it's a process. And we talk about the need to the pl- issues with planning need addressing. You know, we've we also know there's a there's a reluctance across the island to, to build on on greenfield sites. So there's limitations there. But we also know, for example, that we've seen the creation of the Manx Development Corporation, identifying those sort of government-owned sites within across Douglas at the moment. There's been already been a start on developing the old nurses' home. Uh, for, 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 so things things are happening. Of course, frustration is things never happen quick enough. We know that. But all I can say is that I can see there's a process starting. Therefore, me standing up and saying. There's a housing crisis as a backbencher now is a, is a is a pointless exercise as everyone will say we know that <laughs> so that's not my i don't see the point of doing that 
what I want to see is action, and I'm starting to see that. I'm starting to see the fact that they've they've, they've adjusted the the first time buy schemes to try and bring them more up to date with with where we are on, on the pricing, house prices, and incomes. It's it's only a starting point. A lot more to do. We've been told that we'll, we'll, there'll be more detail coming through in, in in the autumn. So we want to see that. And we want to see it happening. So I think it's important to recognize that things there are things happening and it's only right that those things carry through and we watch very carefully what is happening um, is, is part of the problem uh, that we, we have a, a, a disparate collection of, of views that that are expressed to the public at election time uh, you know, we've had three uh, party members elected um, t- for two parties um, the the remaining 21 members of the house of keys um, have no party affiliation uh, so so then effectively that's why you need all this talking time and this considering time because there's so many different views that um, you, you have to then reach consensus and, 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 and agree ways, ways forward is it, is it not time that we actually considered or, or, or the Isle of Man actually embraced uh, party politics no I, I don't think it is uh, I- and, and if you mention the three party members that are there at the moment, I've seen them vote against each other. So I'm not quite sure what the advantage would be uh, all the time. And, and indeed, Phil, when you were in politics, were you in a party? No. So I, 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 I've a mandate from people of Douglas North, and I will represent them and, and their interests as much as I can. But of course, I'm an island politician as well. And, and so I will do the very best along those lines. But I, I think party, line, uh, party politics in the island, man, I mean, we, we do have a party, of course, the Komen Party, which, which makes all the decisions. Um, and, and it is our job to make sure they are held to account. Does there need to be more funding, perhaps, in, in, in terms of the, uh, the Clark at Hinwald's office in relation to uh, policy development? I mean, uh, th- there's always been a, a bit of nervousness on the part of both Parliament and uh, government uh, for Tinwald the parliament uh, to to actually be engaged too much in uh, policy development it's been primarily the remit of the government departments this hasn't it um it, it, would it be i mean because if you look at uk politics and um, politics in in most developed countries around the world there are policy development uh, units that that actually do the research uh, come up with alternative um, views and, and, and alternative policies. Is is that a role perhaps that the clerk of Tinwald's office needs to do uh, a bit more, Tim Johnson? It's an interesting uh, question, Phil. Um, because I, the assumption is there's just one answer and that's the one that Coleman has pr- provided. Um, and, and because there's nobody else uh, on the island that has as much resource to develop new policy, um, that you know, Comin mm. tends to win on 95% of the uh, occasions. I think what I would say, it goes then right back to the start of this, of this parliament where um, you know, all members were very much invited to be involved in and thoughts and plans for the, for the island plan in the future. And I think, and I think everybody inputted into that had the opportunity of doing that um again i suppose i come back to my sort of business practical background at some point you have to make a decision and get things moving i think there's a danger you end up with more and more layers and again i think going back to the party politics i wouldn't agree with with that either because i think you end up then 
making compromise positions and, and considerations maybe with the sort of party whip and not and not getting on with 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 having the view i think i think having those independent views coming in because what you what you hopefully are within the keys is a reflection of of the public and 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 the and the various views and and the opportunity to to debate and bring those together and as we said at the start that there will always be compromise there will always have to be compromise to get to yeah. get things done you know and, and so five minutes ago we were speaking about taking time in doing these things i mean you add another layer in with the office of tumbled clock of tumbled that's another layer um probably more staff it's more money yeah. Um, and it'll certainly take more time. So no, and they don't have a mandate. So no, I'm, I'm not in favour of that. Okay, then um, we're coming towards the end of the the, the program. You've got four years left uh, to to make a, a big impact before the next election. You may or may not choose to stand at that stage. Um, what going through your 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 manifesto commitments, the the key points that you were elected on. Um, what would you say are the your, your top priorities now, and and have have they changed uh, over the course of the last year? And uh, you know what are the what what's the one thing that you want to deliver uh, now uh, more than anything? So uh, perhaps if we start, uh, yeah, we we'll start with you, then, John. Well, I, I want to see more equitable society. You know, I want to see people be more generous to each other and a more compassionate society. And I want to see more open and honest government. That's what I want to see. Um, what, what do I personally want to achieve? I, like Tim mentioned five months ago, I think the most important thing for all of us is to get the housing situation up and running. It, it is without doubt the number one on the agenda. I want to see a better Nobles Hospital. I want to see a, a, you know people not waiting as long. Um, and I want to see small businesses like I was make the landscape being made easy for them to operate and thrive. And how are you going to deliver these things? through consensus and and I don't have all those answers Phil but but as we start at the top of the conversation you'll get nothing done by yourself it'll be through everybody else as well and I don't believe any of those things I've mentioned are unique to me so so we will get it done uh, it, it will take time um, but the first thing you've got to do is get through this awful cost of living crisis um, and, and, and it is government's number one fundamental duty as in times of war and pandemic and cost of living crisis is that we support the people and the most vulnerable need to be supported and not just them, it's people above them as well. And if we don't do that, nothing else matters. Tim, I mean, would, would you say any of your priorities uh, were, were, were misguided? You, you, you now know a lot more and you're in a better position to, to, to consider uh, things or, or would you say you, you had it pretty, pretty much right in your manifesto? Others will decide whether I had it right or not, Phil. <laughs> I think I think my I came into it. My instinct was uh, very much about. Um, I, I was very keen last year hearing the fact that there was a, a the KPMG were working on a, on a strategy. Um, again, I, I I do tend to come more from a business head, and be, on the, and, but that's to me is the most valuable thing because we have to have a clear plan for the island, a clear long term plan for the island. Because without that, we'll all suffer, you know. And so that's so having a clear economic plan is really key. Understanding that we are, as an island, in competition with other jurisdictions across the world, and we have to be competitive. So we have to have wages that reflect our cost of living. We've got to have we've got to get on top of our housing challenges. You know, 
We've got to have world-class employment legislation, childcare legislation, all the things that we need to make sure that we are keeping our young people on the island, that we're attracting young people to the island. And you, looking at some of the issues of that plan uh, that the strategy is raised, whether it's the fact we're, you know, we, we know we're falling behind on healthcare, education isn't where it should be. These are these are things we've 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 got to get get on top of. We know that middle and low owners are struggling, so we have to help there as much as we can. And that short term, with the big issues we've got at the moment, we have to help and support as much as we possibly can. But this problem, this this crisis, is going to go on for a very long time. Actually, sadly, I mean we don't we haven't reached the peak of inflation yet. We know there are real challenges ahead. So you know the government has got to have a you know, sustainable p- plan. Um, but while all that's going on, you don't you, you don't ignore the, the bigger picture because that the, the plan is still absolutely key to that. So it's 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 doubling down on it and making it work um, for everybody and having a having a more balanced, fairer system. I think what we've done, if you ask me, what what have I done? I, I think along with Tim and other backbenchers, uh, we, we've put the direction of travel in place. I think, and and I hope to make an effect a more positive effect on, on all the island's mm-hmm. residents. Well, gentlemen, I, I hate to say it, but we have run out of time. Um, I enjoyed that. I hope you did. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you didn't answer the direct <laughs> question, though, did you? <laughs> Refreshingly honest there from MHK's John Wallenberg and Tim Johnson. Are they right? Do you have confidence in their ability to lead us out of the crises we're facing? Or do you shudder at the thought of four more years with our current MHKs? Please get in touch with philgorn at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the programme. And don't forget the podcast is available from Manx Radio's website. But for now, I'm Phil Gorn, Gorumayus and Geishakrum. Thanks for listening.